Welcome back, Rage Nation. So a real quick shout out that I want to give people is one of our friends from Charleston, South Carolina, started creating a bunch of tokens and a bunch of widgets and a bunch of other things that people need for their wargaming needs. And he does this with his awesome 3D printer that he decided to pick up. He started an Etsy page. It's called bardingtokens.com. And if you go to that, you can get lots of things for Malifaux. You can get steppers. You can get tokens for you know your corpse uh, drops and schemes. You can also get base identifiers for things like Warhammer Underworlds, D&D identifiers, and lots, lots more. He even creates things like dividers and things that you can put in your foam. So check them out. Really decently priced, and I'd highly recommend it. Just good, solid printing that will definitely help in your tabletop gaming needs. If you want to support the show, make sure that you use the code RAGEQUIT. Once again, that's at bardingtokens.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We're back, ready to record, and yeah, getting a little stir crazy in the house still. Yeah, this is a boring time to be alive. Well, not only is it boring, but Chris, you're in a little pain right now, bud. Yeah, I know. I haven't been keeping as good a track of my diet as I've, as I have, uh, you know, when I'm not locked in my house. I just kind of eat whatever, just kind of graze. And so, like, I'm eating stuff that I shouldn't, and then I got kidney stones again, so it's sucky. Yeah, well, hopefully you're able to survive and just be okay with it and... Yeah, just kick them some bitches loose, man. Yeah, well, it should fill me with a lot of saltiness for this podcast, so you're welcome. Yeah. World. <laughs> so, Chris, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, I don't know. Probably some God-tier shit, I'm guessing. You don't even know? Um. Well, what, am I right? I mean, you're a little right. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I'm shooting for, so great. Yeah, so we are going to start putting out more God-tier content just because we've been enjoying the game a lot, and we're just really kind of enjoying the mechanics, the models are awesome, it plays really smooth. So this first God-tier episode that we're going to focus on, we wanted to look at the classes, because there are four specific classes, and I think off of our limited exposure, Chris and I both have opinions about which classes we like, which ones we think are more... Uh, the game leans a little bit towards which ones we want to like but they suck i don't know about that but yeah we got some got some hot takes that we're gonna we're gonna share with people and i actually put this question to the god tier champion group and got some interesting responses with them as well because i i did ask people i was like what do you think is a class that you never leave home with who's maybe a champion that's your mvp so we'll get into some of those responses as well as we kind of go into this episode. Before we get into that though, Chris, I did end up painting Sneaky Pete on stream yesterday. It was a lot of fun to paint that. I saw a very sneaky paint job. (laughs) It turned out really good. I was actually pretty happy with him. And I, I hope that people watch the stream on our Rage Quit Wire channel just so they can see that you can speed paint, but it also still looks good. Because something that I'm definitely known for is painting stuff quickly. I think I painted that champion in less than two hours from start to finish, pretty much. Besides some of the basing stuff I added last night, which I'll show on stream today when I stream again. Yeah, which definitely. I'm dis- disappointed in you, Chris, because Rangosh is not painted yet. Don't judge me. You don't know my life. <laughs> You're sitting on your couch. Mm. Well, that that's accurate currently. <laughs> I will also be in bed later, so if that... <laughs> You're going to be bedridden. I am. I, uh, I am so bedridden. I mean, so, and Chris, let's talk about this for a second before we get into the God tier stuff is 
there are a lot of people that we have the time, but why do you think so many people are having problems as far as just getting motivation to paint and hobby? Well, I can only speak for myself, but I think that for me, the key is it's usually the process of getting all my stuff out and getting all set up. Right. I think that you use like a tray that's always just ready to go. Um, yeah, now I have a desk. Yeah, okay. And and so like your your painting area is always ready for you whenever you want. I paint at my coffee table when I'm like doing other stuff. And so for me, just kind of going through the effort of getting everything out, I'm like, ah, well, how long am I going to be painting? Do I really have, you know, like I, I, I make up excuses, right? Just like, just like anybody. Um, and I think that if I had like a paint station set up, that would probably help me out a little bit. Yeah, and I, I was listening to, um, what was it, uh, Three Guys in a Podcast. Is that the one that you recommended me? Uh, three Guys in a War Game? Yeah, Three Guys in a War Game. Yeah, that's the one. So I actually listened to their last one. They did an episode on uh, on contrast paints, and they were talking about how you know some, of the, some people just have all this time, and yet they're still not hobbying, and some of the hang-ups on that. So I thought it was interesting to see why you're having some of those uh, same hangups. It is kind of a mental challenge to kind of keep moving forward with goals as you're kind of stuck inside. Yeah, I think I'm just going to get like a little, like, you know, those little trays that you think of when you see a movie where they serve someone like breakfast in, in bed or whatever. And I think yeah. I'm just going to get like a little tray like that and then just have all my stuff set up to where I just have to take the tray out and I'm good to. Well, I can actually, I can actually give you a tray because I have one, I mean, that I'm not using just because I have a paint rack that I got for all my paints. Well, here's the thing. I would love to accept that, but then I feel like if I don't paint, you'll have that to hold over me. Like, Hey, I gave you that fucking tray. (laughs) I don't know if I want to take on that sort of beholdenness to you. (laughs) And I, I will say, at, since I started painting these champions, that the champions and the followers are just, they're fun to paint. And for me, it's really easy to paint them because there's so much character in the models that it's just cool to pull that out of the model. And there's only like, I mean, if you look at the champions and the followers, there's only like, what, three to, maybe not three, maybe four to eight models. I mean, what's the most models? You have five, six, seven models, I think, are the most in the champions boxes. So it's not too daunting to paint. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing overwhelming. And, and you batch them out to where you, you do an assembly line style. So that's all good. Maybe one yep. day you'll go down in history with all of these streaming paint jobs. Like you'll be the Bob Ross of miniatures. <laughs> Man, if I could have a pop of myself, that would be awesome. Yeah, you just, I need you just paint little happy accidents. Yeah, I need to get him like one of those pops of him. That way I can have him as like, it's almost like a shrine set up around my paint stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So a little Christmas idea for you, Chris. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into our main topic, which is all these classes. So obviously we have Maelstrom, which they focus on killing followers. We have Slayers that they get extra points for killing champions. We have Guardians who get extra points if their banner is still on the board at the end of the turn. And then finally, you get shapers who get extra points for making a claim action. So let's just start off, Chris, with our initial opinions of uh, each of the classes. So let's start with Maelstrom. So what do you think of that class overall? Well, that's a class I just haven't really played with a lot. I do have Blackjaw, so I'm going to get into them. You've played with them more, so I'll kind of defer to you on this one. But I do like the idea of being able to target the followers and getting extra points for that because... I feel like it's a little bit easier to kill off the followers than it is to kill off the champions. Yeah, so there, there's kind of two arguments that I saw on Facebook when I posed this question. And there were some people that said Maelstroms are like an auto-include. And the reason why they said that is because they thought that, Maelstrom, like you just said, the followers are easy to kill. So instead of getting one point, you're getting two points. And that can add up a lot over the game, right? Because a lot of those you know, followers are easy to kill and they're easy pickings. Plus, if you have a Maelstrom character, you're allowed to kind of bully the zones a little bit more because they have to be careful of where your followers are going or their followers are going. 
So that allows you to kind of bully where they can position those followers and they can't. Plus, another thing that I think is good about Maelstrom's is if you do not bring one, then their followers can just go wherever they want without much consequence because you're not giving up as many VPs or steps in this case. So that was the positive. The negative that I heard is basically people were like, oh, well, if, I, if you have a Maelstrom character, I'm just going to keep my followers away from you. And my counter argument to that, though, is if you're in putting yourself in a bad position to stay away from the Maelstrom hero or champions, then that's a win for the Maelstrom because now your followers are not helping your champions achieve their goals. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of, at least from what I've seen, what tends to play out. Because it's, it's hard enough just managing where your champion's at. It's much more difficult when you have to kind of juggle where the followers are being put put in placed. Yeah, and if you if you want to look at this kind of stuff, and it's a little skewed right now just because the only events going on are off of Tabletopia, which if you're interested in that, check out the episode where Chris gets a nice little rant on our uh, battle report on our Rage Quit Wire YouTube channel. But yeah, we might have to... Skewed. It's a little skewed right now. Good. We might have to create a new channel called like Sportsmanship and having a friendly time because <laughs> apparently Andre McInnes, I believe is his name. He, uh, so shout out to him. He doesn't like the amount of whining that I present. And yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, it's not called the everybody stay calm and have fun podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not called sportsmanship one Oh one wire. We're the rage quit wire. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta stay on brand. Yep. But looking at the, the battle ladder, it's a little skewed because it's only the Tabletopia, and Tabletopia is missing one of your favorite models, Rangosh, and also missing Blackjaw, and there's a couple other models that they can't get on there yet, but I think they're working through that. And apparently that was on Tabletopia's end, not Steamforge's, so they're kind of just tweaking it. But looking at it, I, I'm looking at a lot of the stats because I like looking at stats and looking at Battle Ladder, which is the uh, akin to Longshanks for Guild Ball. And it seems like most people bring it, bring one Maelstrom in their fights. And I think that's generally a good idea because I feel like the games that I don't bring a Maelstrom, that the followers do take advantage of that more. Whereas when I have somebody like Grimgut, Grimgut's kind of the, the Maelstrom that I'm leaning towards. I actually kind of like what he does. But Titus is also really good. Is They do a really good job of just getting their points usually on their ultimate turn. Like I was playing against Josh Hatch and that was a really fun game. I played with him and Grimgut just slides in, hits his ultimate, which is called buffet. And he just ate the crap out of three of his followers. And I got six points off that. So they do have a really good ability to punish your opponent for not positioning their followers. Well, yeah, I just think that it's so much easier to get the followers than it is to get the champions. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. There's a lot of those followers that are a lot, they're easier to kill. That's just, that's the basics of it. So if you can get two points, plus if somebody brings Grimgut, I feel like you need to then definitely drop a Maelstrom. That way you can get at least a point for killing the Snotlings or the Wretchlings, whatever they're called. Yeah. So I, I do think Maelstroms are important. And Maelstroms are fun to play just because I think that, Chris, you would like them. I know you haven't experimented with it yet. We were going to, but then, you know, kidney stones. But I think you would love Blackjaw and Ringosh on the same table with some other flex class with you. Yeah, I I agree. Because then you would be killing champions and you would be killing followers. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of killing champions, I have been disappointed yep, go, by want, Slayers. You want to go to the Slayers, huh? Yep. All right, speak to this a little bit and talk about the Slayers you have actually played. So I've played Lorzan and I've played Morgan. Morgan just sucks. Like, Morgan is fucking terrible. Okay. Uh, couldn't kill a fucking thing. Uh, Lorzan, I mean, I had to, like, commit everything to kill one model, but still, like, not... Yeah, I have not enjoyed these Slayers. Like, I, I feel like the champions have 
a significant number of boxes to where it's not worth putting all of the activations into trying to kill them. And I also feel like with the other models, their abilities are like inherent, whereas the Slayers, you're rolling for it. So, for example, it, with, uh, who was it? With, when you were playing Half Tusk, Right, yeah. you can just heal two points every single, every single time, yeah. and you can just do that. You don't have to roll for it or anything like that. So there's a disproportionate balance because I'm not automatically able to to get hits off on you unless I use that uh, ultimate, you know, ultimate play. I, I want to say play because I'm thinking of Guild Ball, but uh, it's just it's <laughs> my ultimate uh, action. Action, yeah. That's yeah what it so is. unless I use the ultimate action, but you can only do that one time. So. I feel like for the Slayers, because you're having to roll so big and crack so much armor or get past evasion, that the amount of dice, the swinginess of the dice, make the Slayers not as effective in what they're trying to accomplish as other classes are in what they're able to do just inherently. Yeah, I think it depends on how you set it up. I think that Slayers are, they are hinging on getting help from the other classes. I think that they're, they have to get some kind of setup, whether that's through themselves or with another character, another champion, to pull off those kind of things. And you are, Slayers are more, they're more relying on dice, like you said. It, it's one of those things where, and I was talking to Josh about this in the game we played, because he was playing Lorison, and he's like, yeah, man, either she's the MVP or she has a sad day, because if you're not hitting with her shots, then it can just be a bad day. So I think you need to have a champion that you can buddy up with a Slayer that is just going to help out. And I did that. I played Sneaky Pete, and I had a blast with him, and he actually ended up killing um, Wraith... What's his name? Wraith Madin, Madrin, Mardrin, Myron, whatever his name is. Yeah, that guy is too guy. complicated of a name. <laughs> but I'm just going to call him Wraith. So anyways, I ended up killing him with Sneaky Pete where I actually did a place two tiles away and then I did my ultimate to place right next to Wraith and then I smashed him and stabbed him and then I threw him two hexes away because when you knock out a champion, I think the bigger thing than the points is you actually get to move them two hexes away. And that's a, that was a big deal because it, it made it where the player I was going against couldn't basically come back in and claim during the next plot phase, which ended up losing them the turn in the long run. So that's, I think, the bigger point is you want to look at, okay, this champion's about to die. Next turn, they want to claim. I did the same thing with Finbar against Josh, where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to knock you out, push you back, and now you can't do your guardian thing. So I think that's the bigger thing with Slayers is, yes, you want the points for killing, but you also want to push people out of zones so that way you can kind of bully them and control it. So I, I do like Slayers, especially Sneaky Pete, and I think they have their spot, but they do need a little setup, and you do need to be... You can't just go in and expect stuff to die. And you're right, I am underwhelmed with... Yeah, I am underwhelmed with Morgan. She does seem more like a... I don't know. She she's like a shaper, but she doesn't shape the battlefield. It's kind of weird. Like I I agree with you that it's kind of hard for her to kill, especially Hardy champions. It's hard for her to kill a Hardy champion by herself. She would need. I feel like she's the support. Like if you put her with another Slayer, then yes, I think you're going to kill stuff because she debuffs them so much. But as far as killing stuff for herself I, I didn't see it and she ended up just getting smashed twice in the game i played with her yeah she's not good but you know that's to me though that's your typical starter box champion right like you want a good like okay they do some cool things but usually you don't put your really spicy stuff in the in the starter right so i i get it i am so happy that i did not buy that morgan starter if I had bought that Morgan starter and had that experience, I would have been so pissed. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay. I am I am thrilled that I did not buy that Morgan starter. But are you are you are you planning on picking up one of the starters? Uh the other one, I guess. <laughs> Who's in the other one? Uh the other one has Titus and Finbar. 
which I think you'd like better. Sure, yeah, yeah. That that's the one that I would grab. But I mean, right now I've got six six different champions, so I mean, I, I don't need something immediately. Let's start getting some income going first before I start buying more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, so let me ask you this, Chris. So obviously, the one that you want to play the most, but you haven't been able to drop on the table, is Rangosh. But at least looking at his card, why are you really excited for Rangosh? Because uh, hopefully he can actually kill some stuff. Okay. Also, he's like a Balrog demon, so that is just neat. He does look cool. I like his ultimate where he basically just charges two hexes and places two wounds on an enemy within that range. Yeah. Which is right up your... Because you're like, I don't even have to hit. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be able to do what I want to do, which okay. is kill some things. Uh, let's see here. He does extra damage. He can slow people down. Or no, he can lower their evasion, which is actually pretty good in the plot phase. Uh, let's see what he's doing here. So he has he has Jawbreaker, which lets him, if he hits, he's doing seven, seven damage dice. And then Whiplash, he's throwing five damage dice around. And he actually moves people around with his whip. That's kind of cool, too. Yeah, and, and, and I really like that element where he's able to kind of reposition people because... This game is very much a positioning-based game, so this will actually kind of go into the next class that we're going to be talking about. But, you know, those shapers, I've really enjoyed the shapers from the standpoint of how they can change the board. Like, the game yeah. that we played where I was able to pop that ultimate action with Shale. And yeah, we'll talk about that here in yeah, a minute. Like, there... I, I like the idea of being able to have that element. I would, I would much rather have... Rangosh with some uh, movement and and being able to rearrange the board a little bit than Morgan with the debuffs and the, the blights. Yeah, and I think that's the cool thing about the champions is they do fit play styles. Like, I, I'm not going to play Rangosh that much just because I'm not a, you know, hammer and nail kind of guy. I'm just, I'm more like Sneaky Pete where it's like, I'm going to, come around the flank and kind of stab you in the back on the battlefield type guy. Whereas Chris, you're just going to run up to people and be like, I'm going to smash you. Oh, you're trying to run away. Come back here. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like. So, and that's what I like about this game. It, it, there's a lot of different play styles and the different combos you can get with the different champions. You can almost mold it to your play style, which is really cool. So let's go ahead and get into the shapers. Then we talked a little bit about the negative and positives of, of the slayers and i think there are a lot of positives it's just like you said i don't think it's gonna you can't bring three slayers it's just not probably even two slayers not gonna do what you might need to do even though if you really like that play style there's nothing stopping you from doing it but let's go ahead and jump into the shapers then so what do you like about this class you were talking about the games that we played so why don't you kind of yeah, you know, I, make that picture for people. Yeah, I, I just like that they're able to rearrange the board. Um, to a so you're talking about Shale's ultimate, right? Yeah, Shale's ultimate. So the, the way that Shale's ultimate works is you are able to move those hexes in whatever order, at, you know, to within three. And so you can kind of actually start spreading out the placement of those hexes. You can start hedging up and blocking the way of the little minions that are following their guys around. Like there's, there's just cool tools that they're able to use to remake the board in a way that is more functional for you. Yeah. And you did a really cool job of shales ultimate where you actually took half tusk, which is the model you were trying to kill and you moved half tusk towards your champions. And then you took the rest of my basically, champions and followers and you move them away and we were basically at that point playing a different scenario right where it's like okay half tusk is going to die and he did and now i have to somehow figure out how to get my followers in a better position yeah and 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 the one that i the thing that i did because obviously when you move those hexes you have to move them into empty hexes so yeah. I wasn't able to like move your followers, but I was able to rearrange it to where the followers were just blocked off. And so all of Grimgut's followers. And so it, it enabled me to do this thing basically where I had half Tusk to himself and then Grimgut 
and his followers were away, and I had I didn't have to worry about them that turn, and it that was just very fun. I, I really like Shale. Like Shale's Shale's cool, and uh, landslide is is going to be very productive as we move forward. Yeah, and the shaper that I played a couple times is I played Naya, and she's the one that comes in the box with Morgan. And Naya actually is pretty cool because she basically can move boons around. She actually copies them. So that's kind of something cool that she does. She meditates to hit better. She's actually the one that ended up killing Lorisan because I was basically to a point where Naya was had a five defense, so she was really difficult to hit. And basically her and her quartzlings were just punishing Lorisan and killed ended up killing her twice. So see and, but her and this is this is the issue that I take, right? Like that just doesn't make sense that you should be able to take a, sh- a shaper and hunt down multiple times a slayer like that like that it tells me that the slayers aren't strong enough. Well, and that's just something where you got to look at I think the dice because other slayers, she wouldn't be able to do that to as much. But the fact that if you can hit Lorison, she only has like one armor. Yeah, but so it's that's same with Morgan. Yeah, but that, that's the thing though is there's with these champions, and I was talking to somebody about this on Facebook, where the champions not only do their one thing, but they also tend to lean a little bit towards another part of the game as well. Sure. So so some lean, some are like shapers, but they also lean maybe a little more towards a slayer. Or maybe they're a shaper and they lean a little bit more towards a maelstrom or a guardian. So there are some of these classes where they play almost two roles. And I kind of like that, though. I don't want them to just be good at the one thing. I want them to be flexible enough where in-game I can switch. And now I'm playing almost like a guardian instead of a shaper, which is cool. But the thing I like about her, like you were saying, Chris, is I like her ability to manipulate the board. And... When I was playing against Wraith, it was the same thing, just how much he could change the board. And she actually does something where she can choose a Quartzling, and if it's the only model in the hex and is adjacent to an objective hex, you can replace it with an objective hex. So basically, you can make more objective hexes. So that's just something that's cool that, once again, you're kind of forming and shaping the battlefield. So I like Shapers a lot. I'm kind of leaning more towards a guardian maelstrom shaper combo and but we'll talk about combos towards the end of this so i like shapers a lot too they're a lot of fun yeah i i I definitely the shaper class has kind of won me over um and i haven't played with naya but uh my understanding is that naya is like an mvp so she can she can be i think a lot of people like her other people really like shale i think a lot of people are leaning towards shale as a shaper oh i definitely am so so what are some of the downsides of the shapers, though, if you've seen some so far, Chris, or if that you just think they might have a downside? I don't really have a lot to knock on them. I mean, I'm sure as I grow in experience with this game, I'll find things that I dislike about them. But so I, I like them. The, the thing that you can do that's kind of it can be a negative is if you I found with the shapers, if you can take out their followers, they become less effective. So it's not a bad thing. It's actually the balanced part of this. But shapers are usually very reliant on what their followers are doing and where they're positioned because they use the followers to do things, right? Yeah, Whereas with other, other classes, the followers help their champion do things. So it's kind of a weird switch of mechanics. Yeah, it, it, that makes sense because Shale's ultimate action is dependent on where landslide is placed so yeah that that makes a lot of sense um but i don't i don't necessarily think that's a bad that no I, I don't think that's a drawback to shapers i just think it's a feature of shape yep. right it, it's it's a difference between playing a you know a support captain versus a you know uh influence hogging superstar captain <laughs> All right, Chris, our last uh, class that we have is the Guardian. So what do you think about the Guardian class? They're just shitty to deal with. I don't like them. 
Okay, you want to expand on that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, I don't like that they can just stand there and take literally everything I can dish out at them on Tabletopia and just live. That's annoying. So, okay. yes, I think that Rodri and Half Tusk, uh, those are the guardians that I've had experience with. Um, they, I, like, I just haven't figured out how to kill them, and that's annoying. So, I might just choose to, like, use them and say, all right, well, fine, I'll just stand in the middle and not not have to move. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting because the Guardians are the class that I don't think I'll play a game without a Guardian because I think, actually, it depends because we've only really played life as far as scenarios. I think once you get into the other scenarios, maybe you start to drop a Guardian out of there because you have to move so much. Uh, because there are certain scenarios where you actually have two different zones that you have to deal with. So right now, though, in my experiences, I like Guardians a lot just because they do hold down where you want them to hold it down. And they help position. And scoring that banner, if you get five points instead of four, is pretty big. So it's just one of those things where I think Guardians are good and they are hard to deal with. And, and they are tanky and that's kind of their design. Well, and the other thing that I think is very positive for them, and we talked to Jamie about this when he was on the podcast, was he said, you know, make sure to put your banners out, right? Don't waste that opportunity to put down your banners. The difference is with some of the other champions and classes of champions, they would really like to be doing something else with those actions instead of just putting down a banner because they want to set up what they want to do, which is kill a champion, kill, you know, their followers, whatever it might be. Whereas it's very helpful to the guardians that what they want to do is already like, there's no, they're not losing out on accomplishing their goals by putting out on the banners. Whereas like with slayers, I definitely think they are right. That you don't want to use those actions that way. You want to, uh, be doing some other things and putting blights out or boons or whatever. Um, and so it's costing you something to make sure your banner gets that put out. And then that banner isn't worth as much as it is for the guardian. So it's, it, it's just, it, it's a tough balance. I think that, I think that the way guardians are set up, at least based on what I've seen is the most cohesive of any of the classes to where they're able to inherently do what they're going to do as far as staying alive they already want to put down banners and get rewarded extra for doing so. And then they can just kind of stand there. Like, it, it, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm irritated with the way guardians are. Cause it's so the antithesis to what I want to do. Yeah. And like I said, I think that in central objectives where everything is happening at this one point, guardians are really strong. But I think once we start playing more scenarios where it's divided or, it moves or evaporates or just when the battlefield like starts to get manipulated and changing, that's when I think guardians lose some of their power depending on what's going on. Uh, like for example, Chris, when you hit shale's ultimate and all of a sudden the stuff I wanted to guard was not where I wanted. Like you had my guardian out of position and that's part of the thing that I think is their downfall. Like once you get them out of position, they are very, they're very lackluster at that point. For example, I played Josh and we did, he had Finvar. Once I got Finvar out of the objective hexes, he's not rolling as many dice. He's not rolling uh, plus two dice for being on an objective hex. So that's just one of those things you have to think about where you have to one, stomp their banners. So it is worth, you know, one action to go ahead and stomp some banners. And then, also, just getting those champions and positioning them out of the way, that way you can move them. So if you see somebody drop a guardian and you drop next, it's probably good to go ahead and get somebody that can move models around. That way you can just taunt them off the objectives. You can uh, pull them. So like that whip with Rangosh, you could actually whip somebody off of an objective hex. Yeah, whip so it that's, just, that's just some of the things you got to look at, right? Yeah, I... I... I need to figure out how those guardians play and maybe it is with the other scenarios that changes things for us. But yeah, right now I just find them very irritating. And yeah, like, like, like I said, anytime you have a fight and this is any game where you have 
a mosh pit that's going to form, your tank is going to do very well because they're designed to sit there and go with that ebb and flow of a central battle. But once you have a more diverse, spread out kind of scenario, that's a little lackluster, especially some of the, uh, especially Rodri. I mean, he's really slow. So some of those ones that spread out aren't going to be good for him. Well, he does have stumpy legs, so that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I'm staring at your Rodri right now. He's going to be one of the next people I paint. Nice. That way you can have a guardian you can slap on the table. Yeah, I need one stat. Looking at all these different classes now, Chris, let's kind of go with what is the one class so far that you think I wouldn't say is an auto include, but you're like, I'm probably going to bring this class almost every game I play. Shapers. Shapers and Shale. Okay, why do you think that? Because Shale's just dope. That ultimate play really fucked up your game, and I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or ultimate action, I should say. Yeah, you kind of like the positioning of that? Yeah, yeah, I thought thought that was cool. So that's my, but those are just my early, early impressions, right? Yeah, and when you say positioning is big, when you can change the position in a game at the right moment, that that's something that is good to bring, right? Yeah, yeah, especially with this game. It's just it's too important as far as where people are positioned and how those objective hexes are operating and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's too central. So uh, we'll 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 be continuing down that road. I think my class that I'm going to bring pretty much every time is the guardian class. I, I like, I like the control of it. I like to be able to take some hits uh, because unless you spike on dice, those guardians aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, the only time I've seen guardians go down real quick is just when somebody rolls like six dice and they get like eight and I'm just like, yep. Okay. I'm down to like two wounds on my guardian now. And, then they take Lorison and do auto two wounds or Sneaky Pete comes in and does an auto wound. So it's just they're tough to get rid of and they can just kind of stand their ground and they also can help me position what I want to happen on the board. So I like Guardians a lot. They're probably my favorite class. And not only that, they're my favorite class aesthetically. A lot of the Guardians, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's a cool model. I love the Half Tusk model. Rodri's really cool. So any any of those classes are just fun for me to play, or any of the those models in that class are fun to me play. Well, that is bad news for me because that is very annoying. <laughs> so looking at that, Chris, going on the opposite side of this, which class are you like? Ah, uh, I'm not such a huge fan of this class, and maybe I'm gonna kind of not play that one as much. I don't know that I'm not gonna play it. Because that would just be like the antithesis of my soul. Yeah. But I'm very disappointed with those Slayers. Like the fact that I, I the, fa- the fact that in every game that I've played, I'm not able to slay stuff is irritating as all hell. I think something you need to keep in mind, though, is that slaying can look different in God tier. Like, I think you're used to going, I'm going to go into this model and kill it now. Whereas really in God tier, that's not the norm. I feel like the norm for killing a champion happens over the course of a turn and a half. See, but the reason why that doesn't work and that's not balanced is because in the meantime, the other classes are able to be accruing points like every turn. And so if you're only actually able to kill a champion every other turn to where you're not able to get those points, it, it 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 drastically changes the outcome of the game, and in some cases, especially if like dice you know fail you, then you're talking about okay, now I took half a game to kill one champion, and I'm way behind as far as being able to you know w- win this win this matchup, and so it yeah that that just doesn't especially in this game. I feel like that's one of the worst situations is, okay, well, you're not going to be able to kill something every turn. Like, it's going to just take more time because Guardians don't take more time to get the benefits from placing their banners and scoring points off their banners. The the the, uh, the Maelstroms don't take more time at getting points to kill off, you know, the followers. Like, it, it's just... It, 
it's not fun if you can't kill something on a turn, if you can't focus the firepower of your slayer plus their followers, for instance, um, or maybe you get a buff in there and then be able to actually kill something each turn, then you're you're gonna have a big problem, and that means that the slayers are actually underpowered. So I don't know what the what's the new long shanks for this called? Again? Battle ladder. Battle ladder. I don't know what battle ladder is showing, but I'm guessing that it would show that the slayers are at a big losing, you know, that they're toward the bottom of those percentages. Um and that that's just fucking annoying for me personally, because obviously you know that's not how I want to play. I don't wanna I don't wanna do the other things. I wanna I wanna kill stuff. So um and I'm I I'm fine. I have to adjust. I I have to play other things, but that doesn't get me as much of what I want out of a game to 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 tell any player. Well, your play style doesn't work well in this game. Change your play style is actually a much bigger ass than people think because people don't want to do that. People gravitate toward a play style for a reason. I think that you gotta. I think you just have to change your mind in the way you're using them. Because, for example, when I was using Sneaky Pete, basically I had Half Tusk punch Wraith in the mouth and got him down to, I don't know, is maybe five wounds, four wounds. And then I use Sneaky Pete to finish him off. So I don't think the power in the Slayers is to do all the damage themselves. I ended up kind of picking off a couple of followers with Sneaky Pete and his crew. I also used his abilities to kind of position. I even planted a banner. I claimed one. And I think that you just have to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to kind of do this side stuff, get my kind of points for claiming, get my points for taking out followers. And then once this champion's weakened, then I'm going to go ahead and go finish him off. So I think you need to kind of use, don't, don't just put all the classes into one role use them to help each other out. And then once you got that kind of prime situation where there's only maybe four health left on a champion, that's when the Slayer is going to come in and probably kill. So I just think you need to kind of, unless I think just, unless it's Lorsan or Morgan, well, they, then they'll just no, whiff on Lorsan, that they need to get done. I say Lorsan's actually pretty beastly when, when you're doing that. I mean, the game I played I, against her, that wasn't you. She came in, she maneuvered, she got in my back lines, she ended up, you know, trampling two or three of my banners, and she ended up killing, did she kill Half Tusk, or was it another? She killed some model, but then I smoked her twice, so it's just, it's one of those things. I rest my I case. <laughs> well, yeah, but I just think Naya was good to kind of set up to do that with her and her, uh, little crystal dude. Whenever I've whenever I've seen Lorsan or heard about Lorsan, I never really see more than two damage being done on activation, which I just don't find impressive at all. And so well, I think I I think that there's there's some strength with that because when you think about her doing an audit like if she hits she does a wound, that means she's basically as long as she hits, she's gonna kill a follower. And that can be a big deal, especially if the followers have high armor. So I think that you just need to, once again, you're kind of putting them in a hold of one role, but there are certain counters that it's like, oh, against these armor four followers, she's really good because she can just kill them all. And now Naya doesn't have anything to do because her three crystal golems are dead. So I just think that you got to be careful about just saying, hey, they should just kill champions because that's not what they're going to always just be good at. Yeah. So then they should be called maelstroms, but okay. <laughs> okay, so, well, I mean, because they do have some good abilities to kill champions as well, and there's certain abilities they have that are just against champions. And I did see somebody on Facebook say that, you know, with Slayers, they should have an ability that's really good, but just against a champion. So, like, maybe one ability that's strong that says, you know, you get extra wounds if this is a champion. So maybe plus two wounds on the model if it's a champion. Well, I think that the default should be that with any of the classes that their ultimate action gives huge bonuses for doing what they're intended to do. So yeah. you should be getting, if you're a Maelstrom, you should be able to get huge bonuses on the ultimate action for killing followers, uh, The obviously for killing champions with the Slayers, 
uh, for banner related stuff with the with the uh, guardians and and then for being able to move things around with the shapers, like that just makes sense that you would get huge bonuses with the uh, the things that they're intended to do. But we'll we'll see. And obviously, I mean, I'm going to keep playing it, and we'll we'll find out you know where that all right. is all so, balanced out. Are you ready for the top five models on Battle Ladder right now? Sure. So this is best win percentage when they are active. So that means that they were selected in the game. So obviously we don't know how they performed in the game, but we can tell how many games they were on the winning side. Okay. So jail is number one. Shale's at 75%. I could feel it. I could just feel that. <laughs> but there's only 12 games with that recorded because battle ladder is pretty new. Yep. I think it just popped up within the last month. So obviously these numbers are fresh. Uh, so there's a bigger opportunity for, you know, that to be, I think, what did he put? There's a 20% uh, margin for error so far with this, just because of the, the sample size isn't as big. But next, number two wait, is Wait, wait, so that means, that means Shale could be like a 95%. Maybe. So <laughs> Lorison is next with 59%. I think that's a lie. Go ahead. Wraith is 58%. Okay. Finbar is 55 And then... Pulling up number five is Rangosh at 54. Okay. I don't understand how Lorsan is so high and, on that list, and, but whatever. And then and then Sneaky P is 50. Because I told you, I think that you just have to realize that when you see an opportunity that can get you points, it doesn't matter if it's just one point from killing a follower because now they're going to have to waste an activation to recruit. And especially Naya. Naya wants to have all three of the crystal crystallings, quartzlings, whatever they're called. She wants to have them all alive. So if you kill two or you kill all three, she only has two actions. She gets three actions when they're all alive. So then I got to waste actions to recruit, to build back up. And yeah, so I just think you need to look at it as, okay, how can I score points? Not just, okay, I need to kill shit. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's just against my, against my, I, uh, I know you gotta way. be flexible, Chris. I don't want to be flexible. I want to kill shit. <laughs> I'm telling you, bring a Maelstrom. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with those Maelstrom characters. Yeah, I think I will too. All right, so Chris, what are some combos that you think you're going to start running as far as the classes? Which which combos are you excited to try and you think will work pretty well? Uh, Shale and Rangosh. I'm super <laughs> excited. Let's, let's, not, let's not even get specific as that so far. Let's just talk about like Slayer, Guardian, fine. Maelstrom. Like, fine. Slayer and... Slayer and... Uh, shaper, I guess, but non maybe a Mal maybe a maelstrom in there, Ma maybe, but but non-specific. Like I'm not thinking of any specific models at all. I'm not I'm not thinking about specifically pairing shale with Rangosh, so that nope. can be more vague. <laughs> um, I think the one that I'm looking forward to most is I want to do Guardian Maelstrom and then Shaper. But Sneaky Pete has me really kind of excited to switch up that Shaper and just do a Slayer. So do Maelstrom, Slayer, uh, Guardian. And then maybe on those spread out scenarios, throw a Shaper in there. Uh, the Shapers I'm really excited for are Naya and then Wraith. Because I saw, I was playing the game against him the other day. And man, that dude, those, those the water kind of sprites, I don't know what you want to call them, but those water... Dudes, they basically Wraith can swirlies to them. Yeah, the little swirlies, little beer sprites. <laughs> they look like the so in World of Warcraft Pandaria, they have this one brewery dungeon, and when you get to the last boss and when you go through the dungeon, there's actually these elementals that look like they look like elementals, but they're beer. So these look like the beer elementals from Pandaria. Hmm. It's kind of cool. It's entertaining. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to as far as like combos with that. I did see though where the uh, one of the guys that has been doing a lot of work and a lot of streaming for God Tier for uh, Steamforged is uh, what's his last name? It's Charles. What's his last name? I'm gonna pull it up real quick just because I Charlie Murphy. It's not Charlie Murphy, even though that would be really cool. <laughs> it is uh, sorry. Sorry, Russ Charles. Charles is his last name. Oh, okay. So he's been doing a lot of work with this. And 
he he was even saying some interesting things like have you tried double shaper and i was like holy crap can you imagine all the jank you could see with two shapers on the board yeah that sounds neat maybe i'll run naya and shale and rangosh and then just push people toward the 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 rangosh you know funnel (laughs) yeah so you're just like i don't care where you go but it's going to be closer to rangosh (laughs) yeah Get in his belly. Man, that's really cool. Uh, let's hear. Anything else as far as the classes before I pull up some of these Facebook things to get your kind of opinions on them, Chris? Um, no, I think I have summed up my feelings. Yeah, so this is kind of the response I was saying with, with what Russ Charles said. Um, he said that it's he thinks it's almost impossible for him to not take a shaper. Uh, just because it's a good support class, it kind of helps with what you're doing. And... Um, he said his picks are usually shaper plus a maelstrom and then fill in the blank for whatever else you want to do. But he's the one that said like double shaper would be cool. Um, yeah, I just, man, could you, I would even think Wraith and Shale would be interesting. Like if you played Wraith and Shale and then with your, uh, Rangosh, that would just be, it'd be kind of terrifying to play against, I think, because you'd want to run away, but you couldn't. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would like that. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. What else do we got? A lot of, there's a lot of people poo-pooing on maelstroms. That's kind of weird to me. Um, are you saying that the internet is wrong? Well, it's interesting. There's almost two camps. One thinks that they're, they're not necessary because people don't interact with them. But then other people are saying maelstroms are necessary because they keep the followers in check. Which one are we going to be as the official policy of the Rage Quit Wire? (laughs) To me, I like maelstroms. Like, if I see some... If I see some annoying ass followers, I'm just like, yeah, I need to bring some, I need to bring Maelstrom. All right. Well, until you change that, we'll talk shit on those people that don't want to bring them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we have, I think I have maybe f- six games under my belt and you have two. Yeah. Three, three, maybe two. Yeah. I'm, I am not experienced. Yeah. The general consensus I'm seeing is people are like, I'm always bringing a shaper. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that makes sense because shapers are good support champions. They help do a little bit of A, a little bit of B, and then sprinkle a C. Also, Shale has a 75%, potentially 95% win rate. Yeah, right? Ooh, you, you know your boy Dixon, right? Yep. He said Blackjaw is his MVP. Yeah, see? See? he. Uh, well, he's on our side, so I can understand that. I think you'll like Blackjaw a lot. Blackjaw does a lot of interesting things and it's just he's aggro which is what you're all about yep and you know ooh, this is kind of interesting so let me tell you let me ask, see what you like about this or don't like about it and i know you don't know a ton about what naya does but this guy said titus rangosh and naya is a list that he has fun with so i imagine like naya just kind of manipulates and pushes things around and kind of makes things because she, the thing that she can do that's really cool is she and the Quartzlings can slow models down so it's harder for them to run away from you. And then you can also do things like do meditation. So you can do Naya's debuffs, which debuffs their to hit and their armor. So And you can move Blights around. So I can move a Blight on myself and then copy it to Rangosh. So she just seems like she would be good at buffing Titus could go around and kill all the followers, and then Rangosh is just murdering champions. Yeah, that seems like a good combo to me. Giving Chris some good ideas to cause pain to people that play against him. Yep, yep. Anything to make Rangosh work. Because that model is going to have my best paint job, I already can tell you. Oh, yeah? Yep, fact. I will put more into the paint job in that model than any other model in this game. I I did did the same thing with Sneaky Pete, right? I just painted the crap out of it, and I, lo- I love the way that thing turned out. But then you're going to do it to Rodri, I already know. Uh, Rodri's got some cool, you know, ginger hair going on there. Yeah. He's a ginge. Okay, Chris, well, anything else about the classes before we kind of start wrapping this thing up here? Anything else you want to say about any of the four combinations or anything else? Can I just say something about the game in general? Yeah, good. So, one thing that I really... I really like about this game and I think it will be a good selling point for people is a lot of times when you play miniatures games, 
there are so there's so many different interactions and it's so big that you start getting put into a situation where you're forgetting to do things you meant to do and you're you're like crap i was supposed to add this on and i i forgot to add this ability or or i i meant to say this and all of that kind of stuff i love that this game because of the way the phases of the game work that you're not forgetting things right like you're actually putting out a token for each of the boons and blights it goes on there then it comes off like you know what's on each of the models it's the phases break the abilities down into manageable segments to where you're not forgetting something in one phase that you were supposed to later do in another. Like that's just less likely to happen in this game. And I think it's a really great design success. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I was talking to Russ about and it's a fun game. There's some really fun interactions you can have. It's a little dicey because there are sometimes when somebody just smokes you with a bunch of damage and you're like, well, that happened. And, and you're just looking at it like, man, I, that's just, that was crazy that you just killed this model. And that's, that's okay. And there's also times where you roll a bunch of blanks and you're like, ah, man, they just, and it, 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 it sucks sometimes that those spikes happen, but it's also fun just because you can imagine these champions just clashing it out and sometimes they get a really good punch in and other times they swing and miss. So it, it's just fun to kind of play the game and and it is interesting and there's a lot of strategy. There's more strategy in it than I thought there was going to be. I thought it was going to be very blatant and kind of boring. It's like, oh, well, you're going towards these objectives, but there's there's a lot more than that. So I, I am pleasantly surprised that I, I was, you know, wrong with my initial assessment on it because I am glad that it, it is scratching one of those itches for a fantasy game that I, I haven't had in a while. So that's good. Yeah. And then the other thing that I've noticed, and I think that this could also be kind of a good selling point on this game is just like with most games, uh, you obviously want to kind of figure out what you're going to run and get really smooth at running it and setting things up the right way, whether it's, you know, what faction you're playing in another game or whatever it is. But I like that in this game, it it's so much more manageable because you can say, all right, I mean, I like what this model does and I like what this model does. Let's see if we can play them together. Maybe the third model is the one that you would switch out in your games, depending on what somebody else is bringing. And, you know, that's your flex piece or you, you can kind of, you can kind of create a core that you you start getting good at and that you start being more experienced with and then flex out of that core, you know, depending on as you grow and you're able to diagnose the concerns with your opponent and what they're bringing, you're able to start flexing out the models, but still sticking within kind of your core um, because the rock, paper, scissors element of it doesn't mean that you have to switch out everything. So you can select four different champions when you do tournaments. So you select four. Oh, really? That's it? I'm surprised by that. I would think in a tournament you'd be able to select more and then draft them. Four seems four seems really tight. Which I kind of like because that, that means you have to get good with these four different combinations, right? Or is the intention that you're able to you know, master certain classes and maybe you have you know, two shapers or whatever it might be. Yeah. So the way it goes is so you can only bring four to these tournaments. And then when you set up for the round, each player shares their warband roster. So you look at the four that they have in secret, both players select three champions from their roster to form their warband for that game. Both players then reveal their selected champions at the same time. And then both players roll four God tier dice and blah, blah, blah. You decide who the first player is. So, but I think that's really interesting that it's a blind pick. You don't even get to react to what they drop. So it's one of those things that you have to be like, well, if they bring this one, I have to have this. So it is, I, I like, like that blind too. drops like that. It is kind of, it's, it yeah, reminds I, me of War Machine. I, the, the reason why I really right. like the blind drop element is I feel like it's a little bit more balanced for, uh, the casual player, 
right? Like you, you we we've heard of yeah. players. I think Brian White's a player like this, where like he actually mathematically went through and figured out for every faction in Guild Ball who's the ideal drop once they see this other model get dropped. Who's the who's the ideal pick to take advantage or to negate yeah. uh, what they're doing, and uh. That that's that's a high standard to put on, you know, on players at at a tournament, and so I like the blind drop element just for those casuals. I really like the fact that you only bring four champions. I wish you brought five, but just just so that you kind of have a little bit more variety. I don't think that you want it to be where you bring six, but it might be one of those things like as they expand they might be like okay we'll do 5 cuz they've done that before where they increase the roster size in guild ball as the models expanded yep so i could see them doing this as well and i'm going to go back to this real quick because they actually have a campaign rule set and we're going and this is kind of just wrapping up the show just some last minute things that we're noticing so there is a little bit of writing in here, so a little bit of background on the uh, on the campaign, mm-hmm. and talks about playing the games. Let's see here; they have ooh, they have chapter cards. That's interesting. Ooh, there's champion upgrade paths. So this is almost kind of like a rookie league type deal. Almost, it looks like. Nice. I can't wait to upgrade Rangosh. Yeah, actually, one of the cards I'm looking at right now is Rangosh and leveling up to level one, level two. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because I think you start with their base card, and then as you upgrade, you add this to their card. Yeah. So that's pretty. Uh, ooh, that's pretty cool. We might have to do one of these when we uh, get out of quarantine here. Yeah, or we could just do them since none of us are sick. <laughs> just at, well, you got to shake out those kidney stone buddies. Yeah, but that'll be done in like a couple days. Let's oh, man, I, I do not week. envy. I do not envy you, my friend. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't envy me either. <laughs> so, and just to give people an idea, we are we are into this game. I'm definitely excited to play it. Obviously, I I got into it pretty heavy here. I have I have six champions just like Chris does, and I actually don't think. Let me kind of look real quick. I think actually all the, with the exception of one, I also have Wraith. But every other champion is a different champion that we have. Wait, did, didn't you get Rodri, or am I the only one with Rodri? Nope, you got you have Rodri. I just have your Rodri models in front of me. That's right. I'm going to hold him hostage over you. You cannot buy your own Rodri. <laughs> well, since none of your uh, exclusive models, Chris, have banners, you can't do claim actions. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can make my own banners. Oh, you better you better use those like Song of Ice and Fire banners or something. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to do. Just paint them for God tier with like these Stark wolves on them. So, yeah, just once again, getting into it, we're just really liking the game. And it's been, I know, Chris, that anytime you invest in a game, you hope you can convince me to play it. And sometimes you're more successful than others. And this one, you were successful. I think I'm generally successful. (laughs) You don't pick, most of the games you pick, except for board games, are I can get on board with. Wait, what board games do you dislike? You play a lot of weird board games, man, that... I don't know. You show me some of these Kickstarters, I'm like, okay, dude. Okay, well, yeah, but all the miniatures games, I've, I've basically got you hooked on them. Yeah, so make sure that you guys are checking out the Rage Quit Wire YouTube channel. We're putting out something almost every other day on there, uh, whether it's painting videos, also we're starting to do some gameplay, playing things like Heroes of the Storm, God Tier on Tabletopia, uh, lots and lots of painting that I'm doing on stream. So if you're looking at ways to paint your models well quickly, I definitely am putting a lot of videos out. And you can probably pick up some techniques uh, on that as well. And just follow us. That way when we go live, you can come on in the chat and just talk and hang out. And if not, at least you can get something out of the uh, painting and different things that we're doing. Also got a gameplay of Zombicide Invaders. That was a pretty cool game. Hmm. So a lot of cool things going on. Posting it on the Facebook uh, page that we have, Twitter page, and then also the YouTube channel. So, and if you want, sure that- if you want even more, you can find Pete's OnlyFans for more exclusive content. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, somebody listening will, and it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I will say is that our buddy Nick does have an Etsy page, Barting Tokens. If you go on there and use Rage Quit as the code, you can 
basically hook us up for you know just trying to support the podcast and support what we're doing on the show. And he makes good tokens that you can use in any board game, tabletop game that you you play. So uh, go ahead and give Ooh, that a maybe I can get well. Nick to print me some banners. Then I can use banners in your face. Yeah, you should actually you should ask him about that. He printed tokens for Malifo for me, so I have a bunch of Malifo tokens now. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I will. I'll talk to Nick about that. He's even getting to the point where he's printing terrain, so he's he's doing a lot of cool things with that three D printer. Yeah, but he's he's been having some fun with that. I know. So yeah, the next few episodes we're gonna do a lot of god tier content, so you guys can expect that coming down the pipe as we continue to notice more and want to talk about more of the ins and outs of this game. Yeah, god tier's fun. Hey, make Ty rage quit on our live stream. That would be fun. Again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like as often as you can. I mean, it, it, let's put it this way. Till the point where you just get that out of him. I mean, have you gotten the rage, rage quit out of you? That's why you keep doing it. Yeah. I, I rest my case. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, man. We'll go ahead and sign us off. All right, everybody. Roll dice. Throw salt. We're out. Peace. Peace.